It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Flowtrack Podcast. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. I am Kevin. He is Gordon. You can follow the Flowtrack Podcast on YouTube where you can become a member. Check out a lot of clips from the show, like the one from Monday where we posted what happened to Gordon's shoulder. And that news, Gordon, I thought was met by a lot of people wishing you well. Did you get a chance to check out any of the comments under the video? Uh. Yes, but I don't remember to be honest. What was they, were some of the they were positive. They oh, were positive. like, good. "Get well, get well, Gordon." And then one person. That's good. Though, okay. I don't know who the person is, but special shout out to them. They asked if this was going to impact when the NC State women's workout was going to be released. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. I mean, <laughs> it took me a long time to edit the workout last night for Houston. Editing with one hand is a skill set, especially your non-dominant hand. You're learning, mm-hmm. you learn a lot about yourself when you're forced to do things in an unusual way. So that's what I'm learning right now. What, what'd you learn about yourself? We just learn you have to be patient with yourself because mm-hmm. every step that typically is, you know, mindless, you have to think about, you know, you're like, okay, you know. I don't know how to explain it. I'm just saying, when you only have one hand, you really have to just like take your time in life. That's all I'm learning. It's got to take your time. Okay. Because you can't do things as easily. Sorry. I'm a little rambustled this morning. I need a, I'm running out of uh, codeine tablets. So the pain is starting to rise. That makes any sense. You got through the workout. You posted the workout so people can check it out. It's on the site the workout with the the Houston sprinters. You did not put a disclaimer at the front that says this was get edited by Gordon's one hand. Uh, so we have that first workout there so people can check it out. Um, first workout from the the college side of things. And we're going to have a, 
long run now of college workouts. As we've talked about, the schedule for this spring and early summer is on the website, so you can check that out. Also, I wanted to mention the uh, the pickup one more time, the pickup contest for this week. So we're talking on this one, Gordon, Stanford Invite Men's 5,000 winner, and how many pro teams will win in the 4x1 and 4x4 men's and women's at the Florida Relays. So you picked Charles Hicks for that Stanford Invite 5,000. I picked him on Kemboy. And you picked, how many teams did you pick? You picked two for four for the pros. I went four for four for the pros. But uh, join that pickup contest and uh, you can win prizes. I do have an update from Florida Relays. So I got a text from good old Mike. Uh, He said, just a heads up, we don't run the college and pros together at the Florida Relays and more than likely won't this year either. The college 4x4, though, will be hot. Florida, Georgia, A&T, Iowa, all in it. So the pros and the colleges are going to be in different heats. So we're going off of time. So whoever has the fastest time will be deemed victorious. So they won't be in the same heat. They'll be in separate heats. But if the pro winning time is faster than the college winning time, that counts as a win. So Good clarification. We saw something similar at Texas Relays, too, where you have that invite section sometimes where it had, for the individual events, sometimes it had pros and collegians mixed in. And then when you went to the the relays, you had those pro teams usually just battling other pro teams. So time, good, good clarification there. Um, so join the pickup contest on the website, Stanford Invite, Florida Relays, the two meets that are the subject of the pickup contest. Also... You're watching this on YouTube or a later clip. You can text us questions, comments, 31042, 31042. Text Gordon, text Kevin to that number. Um, I also wanted to mention some new stuff on the site. Uh, I did This Week in Track. It's back after a two-week break. The subject this week, Gordon. I did a deep dive on what happened if there were no wind readings in track and field. What if we just didn't care about wind? What would happen? I also talked about some winners from the indoor season as well. I feel like we should. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement. What if we didn't care about wind? It does kind of ruin it a bit, you know? It ruins big moments by being like, ah, not wind legal. It also ruins it when it's into a headwind. Oh, uh, you know, could have been faster. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to watch that. I haven't watched it. I'll watch that after this podcast. I'll check it out. Yeah. On the YouTube channel? Please it's do. On the YouTube channel? It's- it's it's on the YouTube channel. Obviously, wind was a hot topic after Texas Relays. And like you, as track fans, we just measure everything. And I get why we do it, but just like everything has to be measured. And I just thought, what if we just said, screw it. Find a track with a plus eight. Go crazy. Run on top of a mountain. Like what would happen then? Not in terms of times, but how would the sport be different? Also, we'll have the uh, – I did a race breakdown, a uh, Penn Relays one. Uh, 2016 Raven Rogers anchoring Oregon to a victory. One of, I think her 900 career victories at Oregon as a four by four anchor. Like we should keep career stats on that too. I, I thought about that as well too. Like we should figure out some sort of metric for measuring like your four by four, like how many comebacks you have. What's your average margin of comeback? Something not just, not just win or loss, 
but just something about how effective different legs are in four by fours, I think would be fun. Kind of like, you know, what's it called? Second spectrum analytics, like an MBA. Yes. Next. Yeah. Yeah. Next spectrum or something like that. Yeah. Next gen. Yeah. Or b- baseball. Next they're able to measure like, how fast they run. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you're going to br- NCAA show is coming back next week. Um, I'm about to do a pro show this week, which I'll, we'll talk about on this pod. Cause I updated the hundred meter world rankings, but you're also going to do some us rankings as well too. Yeah, man, we got so much content coming out. We're, we're, we're back on the horse. We update, we've updated the rankings. We're doing these shows so much. So if you guys need to kill multiple hours of your day, just head over to flow track or our YouTube channel. Watch all the content. Just watch it all. All right. We'll get to those rankings in a little bit. I do want to uh, talk about those. But I guess we can start first. We got um, – well, first of all, let me just dive into the chat here. This will be a looser show. Are you co- okay with that, Gordon? Yeah, man. I'm okay with whatever. Okay, cool. Uh, Sam wants to know how your dunk pro- uh, process is going. Progress. Ugh, excuse me. Clearly, there's a snag in the dunking process. I can't jump or hop or skip or run or do anything. Uh, I did have a couple of people ask me if the injury was from a dunk attempt, which would have been really depressing if I broke my clavicle trying to dunk like a 10-foot rim. Mm. Uh, but things were going well up until the injury. I, I was about to actually, the day before I got injured, the day after I was supposed to do my next jump attempt, dunk attempt. But clearly I'm now on a two month hold, Um, but things are going well. I'm confident. I mean, clearly I don't, I don't have a lot to show for my dunks yet, but I know there's something going on on the inside that's slowly getting ready to go. Like I'm, I'm working on the inside of my mechanics, you know, my, my health, my, you know, my body weight, all that stuff before I actually start showing some improvement so but clearly there's gonna be a big setback here so now i think my plan is for these two months of not really exercising because i can't i'm gonna have to come up with unique ways to not gain weight right because i'm gonna be very sanitary for the next two two months so i have to figure out how to eat better and then you know i think i'm gonna learn how to i'm gonna try to get a trainer maybe and like bike on a stationary bike because that won't hurt my, my shoulder. Um, but I have to start being creative. But still, December 31st, 2022, yeah. I will put a ball in the hoop from the ground in the air. Gordon, that's the plan. Do you see this as an opportunity yeah. to go lefty by chance for basketball here? Go up with a left? Yeah, I could go up with the left. I don't know. I mean, I can't really, yeah. It could be ambidextrous. Maybe I. This is a, a sign for me that I've been jumping off the wrong foot. Maybe going up <laughs> on the left side instead. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We got some good news though yesterday. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I drove you to your doctor's appointment. Do you want to tell people what happened? Yeah, don't need surgery, which is great. Uh, the guy told me there's a 99% chance it will heal normally. Which is great, but ninety nine percent is not. A, it, you, when someone tells you ninety nine percent chance of something, you your brain automatically says, "I'm going to be the one percent." Like I'm totally going to be the one percent where it doesn't work out well. But hey, 
he was confident. He, the doctor actually called me like late at night and was like, yo, man, I'm sorry. I can't get you uh, a refill of your pain meds until like tomorrow morning. And I'm like, it's mm -hmm. all right, man. I still have two left. We can, we can, we can ride mm -hmm. this out. But uh, yeah. so, um, but yeah, 99% chance that it'll heal normally, which is great. And uh, I'll be up and rolling. He said six to eight weeks recovery. 10 relays yeah. is five weeks from the injury. So hopefully when I'm at Penn, I'll be back a little bit to normal by then. So Until then, though, left-handed dunking, left-handed editing. Maybe yes, for the rest of your life. Maybe yeah. this will open up a whole new avenue for you that you didn't even anticipate. Colt, do you want to take Gordon to his next doctor's appointment? Do you want to rotate this responsibility? I, it's just sounds. I know fair. it's not what you signed it up for. Sounds fair. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You took him last time. I, I have another car, one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I got him. Okay. I have another one next week. Oh wow. Thursday. Okay. Maybe we'll just do a big carpool. Colt, you're you're farther Ooh, north than me. You just come down fun. here and we'll make it a whole podcast. Can we record the car? With on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Bring your audio equipment, Colt. Just bring your whole VMix setup. And That's great. Yeah. We can do it from a car if for we sure. Can make it yeah. Uh, all right. If you're watching live, hop in the chat. Questions, comments, throw them in there, please. Uh, let's start first just talking with about Stanford, Gordon, because we got the entries now. It's live on Flow Track this weekend. We obviously talked about that 5,000 with Nico Young, Charles Hicks, Amon Kemboy, among others. A lot of top flight collegians in here. Some other names that caught my eye Sinclair Johnson in the 800, Isaiah Jewett in the 400, Courtney Waymitt in the 1500. High schooler Natalie Cook in the 5,000 and Abdi Hamid Nur in the 10,000. Any one of those stick out to you? Or are you hearing anything exciting set to happen in any one of these races? Well, typically for this meet, it's, there's a big unknown about the mentality and the goal and the expectation of these athletes are. Because obviously now that we're in outdoor season, it's not, you need a top 16 mark. You need a top 48 in your region. So the incentive isn't there to go, to go nuts. But, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you don't get a lot of opportunities to go nuts. So you might as well take advantage of it, you know? Like NAU, they ran like 1320s in their 5K at Drake last year. Mm -hmm. They didn't need to do that to qualify. They could have ran 1340 and they would have been fine. But... They ran faster. So you don't know the incentive of the different athletes if they're trying to just, uh, qualify or PB. I look at yeah. Abdi Hamid Nur in the 10K as the most intriguing one because he clearly could run an incredible 10K if he wanted to. He has the talent. He's coming off of the 5K, mm -hmm. 3K indoor double. But you yep. just don't know like what the move is, right? Because... Obviously, he's going to be looking at 10K, 5K at NCAAs. You know, mm -hmm. how many 10Ks, all-out 10Ks does he truly want to do? Because you'll have to run another 10K at regionals and another one at, at NCAAs. So is this the one where he's going to let it rip and see where fitness is at? Or is he just going to try to run a top 48 mark? We just don't know. I actually thought about making the pickup prop being – how fast will Abdi Hamid Nur go? Because 
you just clearly have no idea like how it's going to move. But there's some other good people in this. Uh, I'm excited to see the two Alabama kids, uh, Chariot and Kiprop. Um, they kind of were kind of wild cards at the cross country scene, kind of under the radar wild cards. Uh, yeah. Brandon Garnica's in there. Uh, Casey Klinger's in there. Um, some of the Tulsa guys, some of the Oklahoma State guys. So basically the who's who of cross country are in this race. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just excited to see, you know, I think Abdi Hamid's going to win, but the question is like, is he going to rip it or is he just going to chill to get a, a regional qualifier? We just don't know. What do you think? What do you think he does? I think he just runs for a qualifier. And it is interesting, though, how quickly he went from, hey, he could win this to, hey, he's the guy everybody's going to be keying off of. Yeah, there's all these other great runners, but this is Ner's race if he wants it. And I like him as a pick. Gordon's go nuts pick. You're trying to figure out who's going to go nuts. You think it could be Ner. I just think coming up after the double, that's just got to be hard physically, but also mentally and emotionally to get up again for another race. I could see him just laying back. Uh, And then if he wants to do something special, you know, two weeks, three weeks, a month from now, have another opportunity to do that. What would you put the time range at? I mean, like, is he going to try to run sub 28 or is he not? That's what I just don't know. Is he going to try to run like, 28 15 and call it a day or is well, he gonna try to run mid 27s i don't know yeah i just don't know i, I don't even want to put it over under because i just okay i could be completely way off you know mm-hmm. like cesarek when he was in some of these races would run like 29 minutes and like call it a day like, yeah All right, what's going on yeah well this is where the difference between indoors and outdoors is so stark because if this was indoors you'd yeah. say all right you have one opportunity to run this and the mark is yeah. going to be way faster than it's ever been. Don't leave anything for chance. Now you're talking about 48 in your region. So you have a lot of margin for error, especially if you're really good, like he is. Um, what about the five? What about the men's five, with the, the race that we talked about at the top? I think that will just naturally be quicker because the 5,000 has been – quicker everywhere i mean you look it took 13 20 something just to qualify indoors that would have been like top two any other year um yeah i think we're gonna see there's gonna be a when we look at the end of the day what at the end of the season when we're gonna look at the men's 5k marks and other distance of marks on the men's and women's side we're gonna be like holy crap so many people broke 1330 this year or so many people broke 1350. it's gonna be an all-time sub 1350 because 10 years ago you run sub 1350 you you're like on the trajectory of becoming like a a good pro down the road Mm -hmm. you know like that's like the first i ran the 1340s all right i'm ready to go like give me a couple more years and i'm mixing up with the big boys running 1320s but everything has just been shifted 20 seconds where now it's like all right you got to run 1320s and then in a few years mix it up with the big boys and run sub 13s uh but yeah i'm excited just to see how many people run fast um the winner isn't really i think abdi habaner is the clear favorite in the 5k um he's run the 10 he's run the 10 so well like oh oh you mean oh you mean it's a play gotcha 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 yeah 
Well, and again, talking about the shift, you go from a couple weeks ago where it's, hey, can he get a title? To, hey, he can win the Bowerman. And yeah. if he's going to win, if and and everybody is trying to unseat him now. And that's the difference that one meet can make. Because, yeah, he ran fast times during the regular season of indoors, but there's people who put up more impressive marks. Yard Nagusa's 3,000 was a collegiate record. That was the time that we were all talking about. Yeah. Those, some of those 5,000-meter marks from BU with Wildershut, those were the marks on the men's side we were talking about. But you go to championship season, you win the title, that's what people are talking about. You go back-to-back, then you're the guy to beat. Then you're absolutely the guy to beat. Um, I'm interested to see Sinclair Johnson in the eight. Kind of want to see what she has. Obviously, she's a threat to make the team in the eight and the 15. She's now with the Pete Julian group there, the Union Athletics Club. Uh, very early days for them, but also not early days. I think we're about 80 days from USA's, Gordon. It's not that far away. Like it's an early championship, and then Worlds is shortly after that. So, I remember I talked about a month ago or a couple weeks ago, like we're going to see some fast times early season, especially from the people who skipped indoors because you don't really have a lot of time. 80 days. Let me, let, let me get the exact number. That's how long it takes to go around the world. Is it 80 days? Isn't that movie? They go around the world in 80 days? Are you talking about the, the, air, the hot air balloon movie? Yeah, hot air balloon movie. How long did it take to go around the, the world? Was 80 it 80? Days. Yeah. 80 days. So, if I get it's my hot 85. air balloon, <laughs> we can go around the world in time for worlds. What a, what a wild thought. Sorry. 85. 85 days. 85. Oh, you're, doing a, you're doing a great job. We might just need more of Colt intervention here, though, on this pod, just in terms of uh, keeping things on the rails. 85 days. 85 days. So, that's why I say... Hey, April is, or late March, early April, you can see some people get serious. Uh, let's check in on the chat here. What do we got? Thomas says, if the race is set up to break 28, Nur needs to go all out. He can run under control at regionals and place top 10 to go to nationals. His double was indoors was three weeks ago. Yeah, but here's the thing. Who, if Nur goes to the well looking at the start list, who can go with him? Who can be with him with even 800 to go out of this group? Well, I don't think anyone can be with him. I think a lot of people could be with him with a mile to go, and then he just runs the final mile by himself. Like, he's going to go to okay. another level in, that, in those final four laps. But there's people there. I, I, get, I think the Alabama kids will be up there. Um, man, I love reading men's start lists. And distance running because there's so many all-time names hunter appleton great name uh <laughs> there's joe dragon top tier yeah. name uh what's, there's another one if you keep on going now to m's there's a mohammed mohammed are you kidding me greatest name ever from germany mohammed mohammed from germany and then there's JP Trojans in this field, another great name. Yeah. Victor mm -hmm. Schitzma, that's that's a great name. Man, so many great names. I'm jealous. I, think I it's wish Shitsama. I had a great name. Like, oh, Shitsama, sorry. 
Should sound, I, you've been, I think you've been calling him that for a while now. It's just Chichon. stuck in your head is how Chichon. to pronounce it. Yeah. No, the, the battle at Syracuse has always been, you know, between JP Trojan and, and Joe his Dragon. teammate Joe Dragon. Like they, yeah. Those two have carried Syracuse the last couple of years to the all-name title. I, are they seniors? I don't even know, but they've been – it's the back-to-back-to-back-to-back. They're, they're the Cesarek of all-name teams, Syracuse. So when those two graduate, there's going to be some space for somebody else to make a move. But right now, team-wise, nobody's beaten Syracuse. Yeah. I think Hunter Appleton might take over. That's a good name. Hunter Appleton. I like that. How much longer does Beetlescombe have? That's definitely top. Oh, Beetlescombe. Oh, Beetlescombe. Yeah, that was a good name. Yeah. Speaking of Beetlescombe. So I've been working on my NCAA rankings. I've been working on my NCAA rankings. I actually updated the NCAA rankings. You can go to the Flowtrack website and check them out. We can actually talk about it on the pod if we want to talk about something. Uh, but Beetlescum is an interesting situation because what should I rank them in? Should I rank them in the 15 or should I rank them in the 5? Both. He's not going to do both. But right now, see, here's here's the mindset of my rankings. My rankings is, if the race happened right now, who would win? And since you don't know what event, everybody. So, for instance, on the pros, I'm ranking Curly in the one, the two, and the four right now. Yeah, you can do that for pros, but I just can't do that for college because there's a team aspect, and I can't give athletes more points than they're going to get. You know, well, I have to consider that there's a team situation going on so you can't run every event like I yeah can't put Nico I, mean, I don't want to 1500 i don't want to make extra work for you but you could rank him in both and then for the team rankings just take him out of one of them and then move the points accordingly but that would no, create extra that. work and that's the last thing you need right now <laughs> yeah last thing i don't know i thought he was gonna run the five indoors that was my one big bet i said this guy's gonna win the five and then he ran the mile in the three thousand. so i don't know well, I ranked him fourth in the 5K behind Abdi Hamid Nur, Amon Kemboy, Nico Young, and then Beatles Go. I had some fun with these rankings because now you have more data points to go off of. You have uh, their indoor, you have what they've done outdoor, you have their indoor time, indoor place, mm-hmm. what they've done already this season. Um, so it's kind of fun to like figure out where people are going to land. So you've done men and women? Yeah, they're all there. Check them all out. What was the flowtrack.com slash rankings? What was the most difficult women's event to rank? Uh, women's 100? I would say it's the most difficult. Let me pull those rank? up. Check that. What do, I forget what I did. Women's 100. Forgot what I did. Yeah. You have. It was hard. Alfred, Jefferson, Mays, Steiner, Stark, Armstrong, Nelson, Barnes. So you have Barnes, who just ran a really fast wind aided mark. You have Nelson, who was disqualified indoors. You have Alfred, who didn't run a good final, but ran a really fast 60 in the prelim. You have Steiner, Mm -hmm. who's like, you know, probably the best athlete. You have Jefferson, who's a surprise winner. You just out mm-hmm. Stark, obviously, what she did in the 60 and 60 hurdles. So you just have all these, like, 
everyone has yeah a blemish and a high point. And you're just trying to figure out which one matters most. But I went with Alfred first. But that yeah, that's a hard one. change. Yeah. No, you're 100 percent right. You're looking at it. Yeah, everybody has the has an argument for and an argument against with all of them. And yeah. like even Armstrong, she ran crazy fast hurdle race at Texas Relays. I think it was wind dated too because everything was wind dated. But her and Stark are both able to do both of them. What do you have though? Let me look at your hurdles. You have Stark, Armstrong, Salmon. Okay. What are the wait, do you have the teams done or no? Yeah, I have everything done, man. Okay. I want to look at the teams. Hold on. Men's rankings, Texas 39, Florida 36. So another low scoring affair. Texas Tech 35, A&T 32, Georgia 31. So you have seven teams with 31 or more, but nobody more than 39. And then the women, Florida 71, Texas 65, LSU 49, Kentucky 41, Arkansas 39. Yep. So the women's team is going to be very similar battle. Uh, between the Florida, Texas's, Kentucky, LSU's, Arkansas's, mainly between mm-hmm. Florida and Texas. I think they're going to go 1 2 the same way they went 1 2 indoors. Men's team battle is very different. The Florida men are going to be relevant. Florida men weren't relevant indoors. I think they finished up eighth or outside the top 10. But Florida men legitimately might win, mainly because they're, they have two really good relays that could easily win. Yeah. That's 20 points. And then they have Fambula who right now I'm not even ranking because, you know, obviously he's coming off an injury, but he looked good in his relays. So once Fambula starts putting up marks in the 100 and 200, that 36-point total is going to go up into the 40s, and it's going to be hard for someone to beat Florida. So there's a good chance Florida men and women both win in outdoors. So to clarify, that 36 is without their best sprinter. Involved. Correct. Correct. Because, you know, I ranked Fambula, I ranked Fambula all regular season long last year, like indoors, then finally took him out with like two weeks to spare. I was like, all right, I'm going to keep you out until you give me a mark and then I'll put you back in. So they have definitely a big bullet in their chamber to add to that point total once he actually starts running. Gotcha. All right. Uh, checking on the chat. Thomas says, Hey Gordon, have somebody go buy you a handheld microphone so you can lay on your back in your chair and talk. I mean, I guess you could pull your mic back. Yeah. So I, I can, but the, for those not watching, Gordon is, is in pain, is in pain right now. Medication is not set in. People are asking about your medication as well too. Um, yeah, I took my latest tablet like 30 minutes ago. I learned it takes an hour for it to really kick in. And then you got All right. takes an hour for it to kick in. Two hours is when you feel the best, and then it goes away in like four hours. And then you know, you only really get a good two hour sweet spot of it. They say every six hours, but we really only get the benefit two of those six hours. So, yeah. All in the game asks, will we ever see a major meet slash championships in a stadium with a retractable roof? Hmm. What do you think? I mean, we'd have to... Well, they're never going to build a track that's retractable roof because they're just 
Well, what's the purpose of a roof? I guess it's for cold, cold weather, right? Is that the purpose of a roof? But there are, Texas has stadiums with roofs. What, what, okay, when you're building a stadium, why do you put a roof on it or not? Like, what's the whole purpose? Comfort. This is an honest question. Or these. No, I just like the, I wish someone would clip. What's the purpose of a roof? What is? Like, it makes sense in Minnesota that the Vikings have a roof on their stadium. But why does yeah. the Dallas Cowboys have a roof? That doesn't make any yeah. sense. It's never. No, temp- temperature controlled, weather controlled, that sort of thing. I remember Bolt one time ran 100 at a stadium in Poland where it, it had a. Retra- I mean, someone can look it up. It had some sort of retractable roof situation. So it was almost like an, it was indoors, technically, but it was a full size track. So it was outdoors. Uh, yeah, it's all comfort for the spectators. That's all it is. The the new football stadium in LA is essentially covered and it's LA or the sides are open with it. Uh, I don't personally like it because it's LA. I feel like it should be fully outdoors, but people want to be extremely comfy when they're paying lots of money to see a sporting event. They don't want the sun on them. They don't want the small chance of rain if you're in Southern California hitting you. So I think that's why. Will the Olympic track and field for the 2028 Olympics in LA, where would the track be? Do we know that yet? Yeah, I is think it it's... In the, is it in SoFi Stadium? No, it's going to be... I mean, it's going to be in the same... What, where's the, No, no. Where's the opening uh, ceremonies? We'll type in an Olympic track venue, LA 2028. Because oh. it was... It's going to be like, I think it's going to be like raised up, basically, is what I heard from where they're building it like on top of where, you know, the, where, where the opening ceremonies are held. I don't know. Okay. So the LA Coliseum, the Coliseum is having track. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that won't be indoors. So someone told me that it would go, it would like just go on top, basically be like raised up. It would put the track on top of it. So. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is, it's interesting. And this is one of the things I discussed when I was talking about no wind readings. You're going to see fast times at major championships because that's when people are peaking and that's when they have the best competition, right? But where are the best conditions in terms of weather? Well, when the stadium is going all the way around, you can look at some of the wind readings from recent championships. A lot of times it's legal, which is great, which is great. You never see like 4.5s at major championships or Olympics. You never see 3.6s. So my point was basically, if the whole goal is just become the world's fastest man or woman, you'd have a group of people who just went around the world seeking out the fastest place to run a, a quote unquote legit hundred. And that would be a place that gets really high winds at your back, maybe a place at altitude as well to make it even faster. But the stadiums where they have covering on all sides, you might get a reading that's favorable, but it's nothing as compared to some of the marks you see in these stadiums that are way over the allowable, like in Florida and Texas, particularly when we see these early season or mid-season meets. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think Bolt would have ran when he ran his world record if he was – that moment, but it just happened to be at the Texas relay. 
relay stadium. Well, exactly. I mean, you could, yeah, exactly. That's my point. I mean, then you're talking about what nine five zero, or I don't, I don't have the converter in front of me. Maybe it's a sub nine five or something. That that's my point. Is you might have the situation where people just go around the world chasing, the, finding the best track, finding the best conditions, setting up a race, and doing it because it's it's hard to say that for the hundred the best place to run fast is the world championships at the Olympics from a pure uh, stadium construction setup. Now, if you have a state-of-the-art track, the surface, that obviously matters as well too. So wherever you did it with your wind behind you, you need to have a, an awesome Mondo track. Um, I just thought, yeah, I'm always interested in trying to cut out numbers in track. Like, how do we get fewer numbers? Like what numbers do we really need? And then once I started thinking about it, oh, yeah, we kind of do need the wind reading because it would get chaotic if we didn't. Do you think we should start adding temperature to distance no. marks? So you we should take you like numbers. this was done in. I know, but like a wind reading is basically like a, a temperature, humidity temperature for distance running because, you know, distance yeah. runners, when they're running in the heat or perfect conditions. So like. If two people run 13 flat, one did it in 75 degree or like 70 degree weather, the other one did it in 90, you know, the yeah. guy who did it in 90 was a better 13 flat. Yeah. So Kipchoge's attempts, the first one, the breaking two, and then the run, the Ineos one, both of those were done outside of the rules. Neither of them counted for official record keeping purposes. And we all know why. And they set, they made it um, advantageous in every way, shape, or form without it becoming farcical. Now, some people thought it crossed the line, but I think for the people just watching at home, it's like, oh, Pacers jumping in and out? Like, what's the big deal? The guy is still running a marathon in 159, and it, and it became this big spectacle. Like, what's the equivalent to doing that in the 100? You know, you've seen gatlin run with a huge fan behind him well to me that's over over the line there's a, a clip out there on youtube of marcel jacobs running in this thing where he's like sheltered from the wind well that's kind of ridiculous but i think if you had a situation where you just put like you said take bolt 2009 bolt or 2012 bolt whatever just put him at one of these early season meets where you know the track is fast um not even an early season meet put it late in the season when he's in shape but where the conditions are great, and then you're going to see a time. And are people really going to go, just like with Kipchoge, we all know it wasn't like for record-keeping purposes, but that's not sort of the point. It was just kind of to see what a human being is capable of. I think people would be really interested in like, okay, how fast can, could Bolt have gone? Obviously that window is closed now. But like we haven't had that on the sprint side where someone completely maximizes the, the conditions around them. Do you think that I was thinking about track and field into like surfing is in surfing. There's like three places on the planet that you can be the best at surfing. Would that happen to track and field where people would be like, Oh, I only care if they're racing at this track. That's the thing I'd be afraid of. Well, no, that Colt. It's like you watch my YouTube segment. I literally compared it to big wave surfing where they just go around the world. Right. And find where the best great. swells are. Same brain. Same no, no, page. Cool. Lie. Be like, yeah, I love it. Oh, it yes. Um, yes. It was very good. Yeah, 
they're literally looking at weather maps, right? This is how it works and trying to figure out where the best conditions are because they don't want to waste their time and energy. So I think, yes, that's, that's, that's 100% correct, which is why I don't think it would be a good idea because then you just, you'd have even more fracturing in track and field when what people want is more of it coming together. So you'd have bigger, crazier headlines. Man runs 942 at the top of a mountain, <laughs> but you wouldn't, it, it would become less like a traditional sport in that sense. You talked about pacing and remind me of one of my most uh, frustrating or bullshit moments in track and field history that involved me. Back in 2008, at the Centennial Conference Outdoor Championships, Division Three mm -hmm. Conference in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, up too. I was, I think I was sophomore. Four by four time, uh, running the four by four. Now, albeit we weren't going to win, but we had the second best four by four in the conference. So let that be known. We run the four by four, we get second, and we're like, hell yeah, we just got second. We just got second in this four by four. We got yep. disqualified. We got disqualified. This is why we got disqualified. Okay, this is a. We got disqualified because during a four by four, one of our teammates who was cheering for us on the infield, on the opposite mm. side of the track, ran alongside on the infield, like cheering for us. He's like, go, go, mm -hmm. go. And it's basically, he's a sprinter, so he could run that pace. But basically he was running neck side by side with the field, cheering mm -hmm. for us, like, go get the guy in front of you, get the guy in front of you. Yeah. And we were disqualified for being paced in the four by four. Yeah. Yeah. That's bullshit. Right? I agree. I can agree. You, can, can, I agree. Can you imagine that happening in like a division one championship where they're like, it's coming down to the four by four and you see, you know, Grant Holloway on the infield cheering on like the women's four by four and just running neck and side by side with them on the grass. And all of a sudden, like, Florida has been disqualified because Grant Holloway was pacing Grace Stark on the third leg. I don't know. That always bothered me. But yeah. Matt, getting disqualified for illegal pacing was one I never heard of. But it happened. Tampa Eagle says the track in Tokyo was bad fast. Yes, it was fast. But here's my point. Men's 100, you know what the wind reading was? Plus point one that was it and of course there was no wind it's that type of stadium women minus point six that was the wind reading for the women's 100 meter final in tokyo so you would need yeah you need a combination of a crazy fast track and advantageous weather conditions altitude etc you could create something really incredible and the competition would make it even better, but I also think it would create the shadow circuit that Colt's talking about where people only show up to three different tracks. We've got a whole bunch of people running the Diamond Leagues over here, and then a bunch of other people are running the at real high track and locations. field. The real track. <laughs> exactly. There'll be a splinter uh, cell of, of track and field out there. Um, all right, on rankings, Gordon, I did my 100 meter rankings. Do you want to hear them? Yeah, I'll tell you why they're wrong. Ex exclusive release live on the flow track podcast Ooh. men's hundred 
women's hundred. This was fun. Number one, Lamont Marcel Jacobs, two, Christian Coleman, three, Fred Curley, four, Trayvon Bromel, five, Andre DeGrasse, six, Akane Sambine, seven, Marvin Bracey, eight, Ronnie Baker, nine, Kenny Bitnarek, ten, Benjamin uh, Zamati. Now, before you weigh in, Gordon, this is tough because some people ran indoors, some people did not. Some people have run outdoors already, some people have not. So mixing all that together, very difficult. I feel good about the top two. I feel good about Curly there in that third spot. After that, though, you could move a lot of people into different spots, and I would not argue with you. What do you think? Don't show these rankings to Fred Curly. He will not take them lightly, politely, or anything. He's not going to like being ranked third here. He's going to be like, I'm the freaking silver medalist. I've run 44, 20 flat, 9-9 already. Mm -hmm. Show some respect on the name. Why aren't you putting Curly? Why did you decide to put Christian Coleman ahead of Curly? Based on the indoor season. And I think right now, if Coleman runs 100, it's better than 9.99. Um, I think between Jacobs and Coleman, it's obviously close. And these are right now rankings. This isn't a forecast about what's going to happen at the World Championships. These are right now. So I don't think, would anybody argue Jacobs over Curly based on Olympics and based on Jacobs' indoor season? Yeah, you can't, you can't put Curly over Jacobs because Jacobs has the win. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think Coleman right now slots in right between those two just because it was so close. In the 60. I know the 60 is Coleman's best event, and Jacobs ran that back half real strong, and the margin obviously could have been bigger over 100. But, you know, Coleman's run in the nine sevens. I feel good about the top three. Four, five, six, what seven, eight, about nine, 10 was tough. Yeah. What sucks about this is we're not going to see Curly and Coleman race a meaningful race until Worlds because Coleman may not even compete in the final at USA's. And if they do, if Coleman and Curly do race each other, it's going to be at a Diamond League. But at the end of the day, like Diamond League losses, it's like, okay, whatever. Like it's mm -hmm. not the most important moment in their careers. So you're really not going to know truly if Coleman, who the best US runner is between Coleman and Curly until Worlds. So it's all going to be I don't just, know. What about Pre? What about Pre? No, it's not. No, like those... That doesn't mean much. Like, does a Monaco fifteen hundred mean? mean who's going to win the fifteen hundred? No, it's just it's a, they're both racing to win. I don't. I think you're going to see these guys race more and more. I think the era of people ducking each other in the hundred on the men's side is gone. I think it's going to be much more like the women's side of things this year, where you have a lot of people who can make a claim to being number one but no clear person like a bolt and a lot of people are going to be taking shots. We saw it last year. I mean, how many times did like Curly and Bednarik, it felt like they were running every single weekend against each other. And I think Coleman's going to be itching to get back out there. So I think we're going to see them more than you think. Yeah, I hope so. But I think at the end of the day, the problem with our sport is any win and any loss in these regular season meets can always be scratched off as like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter, right? The win, the, the loss... The wins are all matter. Like everyone's win matters, but everyone's loss doesn't matter. Yeah. 
That's you know who it matters everyone's to? Gonna be, everyone's going to have zero losses and just have wins because, you know, that's just how it works. Well, it's going to matter to me because that's how I'm doing the rankings. I'm not going to just go. guess. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to treat the wins and losses as if they are significant events. So that is that is sort of the basis for the rankings. I'm looking at the chat here. Someone saying Simbine shouldn't be in there. Hey, we have short memories sometimes. Simbine, last year at the Olympics, he got fourth, ran 9.93, um, and was putting up some good times last year. Ran a 9.84 as well. That put him, what, number six in the, in the yearly list, tied for sixth with Curly. But there's a bunch of other people here who you could factor in. Like Omanyala of Kenya, I mean, he ran that really fast, 100 at the latter part of the season. Zarnell Hughes, remember, looked really good, and then he ended up false starting at the Olympics. Like, if he gets a medal, that's totally changed everything. Uh, Sue of China could be in there. Isaiah Young. Um, some of the co collegians could get in there other than Azamati. Here's the other thing I took away from this. Look how many Americans are in that top 10. Right? You got six in there. Now, Coleman has a bye. So you can send four. But still, I just think it means someone very, very good is not going to make the U.S. 100 team. Now, maybe that person will make it in the two. But U.S. right now is stacked in the 100. Yeah, and you could argue Kenny Benarek is the one that can clearly make the two. Um, it's really going to be between um, Romel, Bracey, and Baker. And I think only yeah. two of the Bs are going to get in. So the Battle of the Bs, Romel, Bracey, Baker, you only get to take two of those three. Because I think Curly will get in. So Yeah. Well... And I think when you look at Bracey and Baker, their indoor seasons went in two different directions. Bracey ran really well. Baker did not. But I tried not to overrate indoors. I'm not going to drop Baker off just because indoors didn't go very well because this is the same guy uh, who had a really good shot at an Olympic medal last year, even a chance to win it. Ends up getting fifth in the final. But he ran 983 last year in the semis. Um, he put up a bunch of good performances last year. So I, I tried not to put too much into indoor, try not to completely forget about what happened last year because indoors can be strange, but I also wanted to value some you know, results, which is why Azamati's in there, um, which is why Bracey, I have him seven. Um, Bromel, I guess, do you think, I think Bromel might be the biggest question mark of the top 10 in terms of variability. Like, I could see him in a month being ranked one. I could see him in a month being dropped down, too. Yeah, I can see that, too. He has a very uh, high and low. You know, he has those injuries. There's times where you're like, oh, he's back, and then he has a bad race. Um, so, yeah, Bromel can definitely go all the way up to, like, he's going to medal to, I don't know if he, you'll find it, probably finish eighth. You know, so he definitely has that oh, just oh. swing either direction. His Olympics were weird. He goes in as the Olympic yeah. favorite, uh, doesn't make the final, and then post Olympics, um, and gets back on track. Did he run the world lead? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was at that in that meet in in Kenya at higher altitude. But yeah, I mean, he set a PB, right? 
So, um, all in the game says, will Lyles it's... contest the two, 200 at trials given his buy? Bill at Texas Relay said she'd likely do the 400 flat instead of four hurdles at trials due to her buy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what he'll what he'll do. Uh, maybe he just focuses on the 100 and tries to double up. That's another person who could be in this top 10. You know, Lyles, right? If I went to 15 deep instead of 10, which, hey, maybe I'll do that. Maybe by the end of the year, I'll have like 64. I'll do a whole NCAA-style bracket of 100-meter runners. But Lyles could be in there as well, too. I'd have him in that next group, but he really ran well indoors as well. We have some uh, signing news. Kim Conley, first of all, had no idea she has three legs, but she has three shoes for her three legs. But she's now Nike. And it's so interesting seeing shoes. an athlete um, say wearing the best footwear in the game when they were like another footwear for so long in their career. And then they switch and all of a sudden like, this is the best. Like, and it's just like interesting when it, it goes to show that you can't really take a sponsored athlete's opinion on brands literally because they're being paid to say it, right? It's a good reminder that they're being paid to say that this brand is best. Um, like this isn't me saying that like he's not the best or New Balance isn't the best, but it is kind of funny seeing a lifelong New Balance athlete all of a sudden tell you, hey, Nike's the best. You know, it's just kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Like, what is, what has she team. done? I haven't been following her that much, but what's like her most recent results? Well, she's been on the roads. She's doing yeah. recently. I mean, she, she... we knew her as someone who's making a team in in a five thousand, but I think that most of it has shifted to the roads. She's run a she ran a half this year. She ran the New York City half. Uh, ran seventy two. Last year, she ran a few fives, and then towards the latter part of the year, was on the road um, running some 5Ks. But last year, I mean, her season best last year was 15.22. She ran 31.40 in the 10,000. She didn't run the, the trials. Um, so has she done a marathon so I, um, I thought, yes, she did New York. Back in 16, okay. she did New York. But that was that was... That was a while ago. I don't think she's has she done one since. No, I think that's the only one. I just looked at that New York City half as a sign that she's gonna be on the roads. But I don't know. Like sometimes people just run random half marathons. So I'm I'm actually not a hundred percent sure where her future lies. Um, before we go though, I wanted to talk about the women's rankings if I could. For the hundred. Yeah. Sorry. Controversial number I just, one. Pick. I saw the news. No, no. I had, I had it. Okay. It was good. Well, interjections. Breaking news. Um, Thompson, Hurrah, Fraser Price, Jackson, Kambunji, Shikari, uh, Marie Jose Talou, Dean Asher Smith, Tiana Daniels, uh, Del Pont, and then Briscoe. So one, two, and three feel good about Kambunji, given credit based on the indoor season. She was solid outdoors. Richardson. I mean, obviously has the ability to move up. We just didn't see her indoors. And then the tail end of last year, she wasn't as good as she was in the beginning of last year, but I could definitely see her moving up in the early parts of the season. Tolu, solid. Asher Smith was hurt in the 100 last year. Uh, Daniels made the final. Del Pont ran well. And then Briscoe, silver medal 
at World Indoors. So I didn't even have after all that talk of Swoboda, I didn't really have her in there just because she gets fourth at World Indoors, and Kambunji runs faster than her, and Briscoe runs as fast as she did, but beats her head to head. So, do you have any problem with this top ten, Gordon? I got a lot of problems, but okay. I'm not going to bring them up. What I am going to bring up is one singular question. Yeah. You put Shakari there, right slap, right slap in the middle, stab, right smack in the middle. That's the word, smack in the middle. Smack put Shakari Richardson, in the right smack in the middle at fifth. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think that's a great, great over under for her finish in 2022 at Worlds. Do you think she finishes over? Or under fifth place? Is she finishing top four or is she finishing outside the top five? I think she's finishing better than five. I don't know if that would be over or under. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think, I think experience is going to help her this year. Um, I don't know. Like that Jamaican trio, obviously very solid, but it wouldn't surprise me if one of them isn't able just to keep pace with this year. So I would have her. So you're saying I get one, two, three, and four. Do I get five, two if I go under, or is five just a push? No, five is push. It's either top okay. four, so medal slash first out of the medal, or outside the yeah. top five. Yeah. Okay. So I think if that was the line. I'd get better odds in top four, so there'd be some value there, especially. Um, but yeah, I'll go four, four, three, two, one. That's what I'll go. Where would you go? You're very bullish. Why? Why are you? Why are you so confident that she's going to be the early 2021 version of herself and not the late 2021 version of herself? Because I think it's a reset for her. Last year's season was obviously disrupted by the suspension and then having to come back in was tough. We forget how young she is. She was, she just turned 22. Birthday's March 25th. Um, You're looking at the rest of the top 10 last year, and she's by far the youngest of that group. I think she's got room to improve. And I think because of all the stuff that went on, we kind of just, she was consistently clicking off good times for a while. Sometimes you see someone run one performance and then you're like, all right, can they, can they match it? She, she had a pretty good run there of a couple weeks. So I still think she has a level to go up. Um, I think she could get in the 10 sixes. And if she gets in the 10 sixes, she's going to be in the top four. My take on Shakari is. I'm, uh, I'm taking a break. Taking a break on trying to project her. I was all in on projecting her greatness throughout 2021. You just, um, ma- you just made me make a pick, and then you're like, I'm, I'm going to take an opinion on it. I'm, okay, I'm taking well. a break. I'm, I, need, I need some rest. You know, I think I'm going to be able to give my, my true Shakari Richardson take once I'm healed up from my, my collarbone okay. fracture. I think that's, that's the plan. Six to eight weeks from now, I'll be able to tell you yeah, whether yeah. or not she's finished being top four or outside of top five. Yeah, you also have the benefit of more races being run. 
at that point exactly. too. I think we'll – I know you were joking, but to your point, in a month, I think we'll know. That's true. We I, think we'll, I think we'll know exactly uh, the range because if she starts like she did last year, yeah, assuming there's nothing that sidetracks her, she'll get it, she'll get it done. But uh, if it looks more like the latter part of the season, yeah, this women's 100 is deep because here, here's why it's, it's tough to pick. If you start tumbling out of the 10 sevens and into the 10 eights and 10 nines, then there's a, that whole group can go past you in an instant. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty deep. Um, someone in the chat mentioned, don't sleep on Shrieky Jackson. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I saw her indoor season and that was, that was pretty good. And that's somebody who, again, is coming from the 400 side of things down. So, that, I mean, I have her third in the world, so I'm not underestimating her at all. I, I think Richardson will get into that top four at, at worlds right now. Now, Gordon punted, and I respect that, and he's on the men, so he's allowed to do that. But I do like how you set up that question, and then I asked it back to you, and you're like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Nah. No, no, nope, not going to go there. Not gonna Taking go a there. sabbatical. Right. Shakira Richardson's take sab sabbatical for these next two months. Well, if you showed someone her just like a list of results from 2021 in 10 years who had – no idea what went on and the context of it, they would be so confused as to what yeah. happened. Well, they thought she broke her leg is what they probably would have thought. <laughs> yeah. Well, you go, all right. So she got, this is last year. These are all wind legal, by the way. 11-0, 10-7-2, 10-7-4, 7 7 into a minus 1.2. Then she goes, uh, 11.53 into a 4.2, whatever that means. 11.44 into a 3.1, which is her first loss. So she lost a gate set after winning a couple meets in a row. Then trials. Um, she runs 10.64 in the semis with a plus 2.6. Then the suspension. And then after, she goes 11.14 for ninth at Pre, and then 11.19 for second in Padova. And then she runs a 22.45 for fourth in the Brussels 200. Yeah, I guess people would assume something went wrong. Just don't know what. But the beginning of that season, though, Gordon. 72, 74, 77. And then you, if you throw out the wind-aided ones and you want to go to trials, 84, 64, 86. Throw in a 22, 11 in the 200. She was from April to June, to mid-June. Two straight months there, she was incredible. This weekend? Which is why, which is why people were so high on I know everybody now is like, oh, all hype. Like she lost pre. Da, 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 da. There was a reason she was getting attention. It wasn't just because of her interviews and her tweets. She was running insane times for a long period of time. Yes, That's you're right. True. This weekend. Uh, tell this us what weekend, this weekend. Live on Flow Track, we have the West Coast Relays. We have the Mike Finelli Track Classic. We have mm -hmm. the Stanford Invitational. And we have the Paris Marathon on Sunday. So four big live events going down. Um, some good distance action at the Finelli Track Classic, Stanford Invite West Coast Relays, 
then end it on Sunday with the Paris Marathon. So four live events, check them all out. April's going to be a wild month of great track action starting this weekend uh, on April Fool's Day, April 1st. And then uh, going into a big weekend where you see April 9th there on their screen, that World Athletics Continental Tour, Devonshire, that's the Bermuda mm-hmm. Games. That's where we get to see the one and only Shakari Richardson, Noah Lyles, Grant Holloway run live on Flow. So it's going to be fun. Brian Clay, Invitational. Um, you have the Golden Games, Boston Marathon. Boston Marathon won't be in the U.S., but uh, Penn Relays will, obviously, Peyton Jordan. It's all great. Check it out. Live on Flow Check. Like, subscribe, mm-hmm. follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, follow us everywhere. And uh, I'll give you my Shikari take in seven weeks, two, six, in six to eight weeks. But you just mentioned her running this meet. But you're still not going to. I can watch her. I'm just not going to have a take on her. No take. All right. We'll, we'll make a clock. We'll make a clock. We'll have yeah. a countdown. Take when Gordon is going to have an go. opinion about it. All right. We got through another episode. Uh, thanks to Colt for uh, producing. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Until next time.